turn in your pew Bibles or your own Bibles to Romans 16. It's on page 950 of our pew Bibles, Romans 16, and uh, we'll begin reading with verse 12 and through the 16th verse. As you're turning there, thank you for your prayers. Um, By God's grace, doing, doing well thus far, finished 20 out of 45, so... But thank you for your prayers. Romans 16, beginning with verse 12. Greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphena and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Pierces, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord. Also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet Asyncretist, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermes, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. Amen to this reading of God's holy and divinely inspired word. Uh, The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we we thank you uh, for the gospel work of the men who by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, uh, recorded uh, these truths of scripture, and truly we can say they're, they're inspired by the Holy Spirit, inerrant, infallible, our only rule of faith and practice. We thank you that your word is truth, Lord, true truth. And uh, Lord, we pray uh, that by your Holy Spirit, um, that, that even in this list of names of believers, Lord, Uh, We would see their witness of faith and uh, that you would use the truth of your scripture to guide us, grow us in our love, in our gospel labors, all for the glory of Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. For a change, let's begin with the bad news uh, this morning. You know, when we consider our earthly labors under the sun, we can recall God's curse upon Adam after his fall into sin in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve disobeyed God's loving command. This is how it reads in Genesis 3, verse 17 and following. And to Adam, he, that is God, said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat bread. You shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. That was God's curse upon Adam and Eve for his earthly labors. And we are still enduring that that curse today. Because of our own sin and because we're descendants of Adam as well. But contrast, you know, this sorrowful laboring by the sweat of your brow with the sweet and loving labors 
of Christ's beloved children. You know, so turn with me. If you're not there already, to Romans 16, verse 12, 950, page 950 of our Pew Bibles. You know, think back. You know, this is our third sermon on Romans 16, a long list of names. It began with Phoebe there in verse 1, a servant of the church at Sancria. You know, then as we look at all these verses, you know, 1 through 16, and actually through verse 23, there, there are 27 um, gospel laborers uh, along with groups such as the church into their house, verse 5, the family of Aristobulus, verse 10, the family of Narcissus, verse 11. You know, and now in this portion today, verses 12 through 16, we're going to see 14 more names and three more groups. You know, the brothers who ate with them, verse 14, all the saints who are with them, verse 15, and the churches of Christ, verse 16. You know, and why preach on portions of scripture like this? You know, here we see that the name of every individual believer, every group, and every church who labors for the Lord is precious in God's sight and in his heart. And, and the application of this here at the very beginning is this. Christians who, who know the Lord's love will lovingly labor together in the gospel. And so the question before us today is this. How can we, how can you and I be the Lord's loving laborers together? And we'll look at each verse individually. So, so five points to this sermon outline. It begins with, in verse 12, lady laborers for the Lord. There are three women workers. King James' version of verse 12 goes like this. Salute Tryphinia and Tryphosa who labor in the Lord. Salute the beloved Pierces which labored much in the Lord. Again, that command, greet. We'll see that six times in these verses. Graciously welcome one another in the Lord. It's not just a howdy or raise your hand or a fist bump. You know, there, there's a intimacy, a Christian warmth, a, a loving greeting given in the name of Christ. And he says, greet then Tryphinia and Tryphosa. You know, they could be slaves or freed women. Their names literally translate dainty and delicate. A, a little bit of irony here. Because they, they're, they're workers in the Lord. All good reason to believe that they are sisters. You know, in, in these Bible times, you, you would often name your children with similar sounding uh, sounds. And you can hear it even in the English. Tryphinia and Tryphosa. Uh, Lenski puts it this way, it was usual to designate members of the same family by derivatives of the same root, you know, Martha and Mary. And you're going to see that family relationships are important. It's not only individuals who are laboring for the Lord, but families are laboring together for the Lord. You know, together, 
Tryphenia and Tryphosa, they labor in the Lord. They, they pierce, persevere in the gospel work. You know, they toil, even to the point of weariness. You know, that, that word is used in Luke when the, uh, the apostles, disciples, are, are pulling in a, a net that's full of fish, and it says they toiled, they labored all night. Again, it's used of the hard-working farmer. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 6. Second Timothy 2, verse 6. It is the hard-working farmer, and that's the word. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crop. So any of you who have been farmers or serious gardeners, you understand what that means. You know, they, they are toiling for the Lord. And then, you know, right in the same breath in verse 12, greet the beloved Perses. You know, we, we've seen that word beloved already in, in verse 5 and in verse 8 of uh, Epinetus and then Ampliatus. You know, but again, Pierces could have been a slave woman or a freed woman. She labored hard in the Lord, as I told the children. She, she labored much. It's not only that she toiled, but she went above and beyond in her gospel labors. You know, the Apostle Paul called her beloved. You know, and when you take a close look at the words there, you know, even in our ESV, greet the beloved Persis who has worked hard in the Lord. All good reason to believe she's a senior saint, not in a nursing home yet, you know, but, but her intense labors for the Lord have been completed. Pierces like Mary. Remember back in verse 6, greet Mary who has worked hard for you. Again, Pierces has worked hard for the Lord. Robert Haldane put it this way, Even among the faithful servants of the Lord, there is a difference in activity in his service. And the servant who labors much is peculiarly noticed by Paul. You know, so, so it's good to, to work hard. Don't misunderstand. But, you know, Pierces went above and beyond. Not that it was a works righteousness, but it was an expression of her love for the Lord, for the Lord's people, his kingdom work. You know, her past labors for the Lord do not go unmentioned. You know, so it's noted here in, in Romans, but there's a verse, Revelation 14, 13. I've heard it uh, used in funeral messages for, for Christians who have labored hard for the Lord. Revelation 14, 13, and I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors for their deeds follow them. You know, again, it's not a works righteousness, you know, but, but the Lord sees, you know, our, our gospel labors, they're, they're duly noted. And in addition to that, you know, as we're considering laboring in the uh, Louisiana summer heat, they may rest from their labors. You know, rest in the Lord. You know, there's a verse 
I'm not sure if we sung this hymn here, a Horatius Bonar hymn. It's 584 in our Trinity hymnal, and the title of the hymn is Go Labor On. And just reading one verse, toil on, faint not, keep watch and pray. Be wise, the erring soul to win. Go forth into the world's highway, compelled the wanderer to come in. You know, what does it mean to work hard in the Lord? You know, again, we're, we're using other portions of scripture here, but, you know, I, I believe prayer is one evidence of working hard in the Lord. Sharing the gospel with struggling sinners. Discipling, considering women, discipling other Christian women. Showing hospitality to the needy. You know, all three women graciously displayed their labors of love for the Lord. So it begins with lady laborers for the Lord. But now in verse 13, we see chosen laborers for the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet Rufus. It's a common name, and yet the only other time it is used in Scripture is in Mark 15.21. Mark 15.21, hear this. This is as Christ is going to the cross of Calvary, carrying his cross. And they compelled, that's the Roman soldiers, and they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry the cross. So here we see that name Rufus mentioned in Romans 15, verse 21. Scripture seems to declare that this Simon of Cyrene, who was drafted by the Roman soldiers to help carry the cross of Christ to Calvary, you know, Simon indeed was the father of Alexander and Rufus, you know, and it gets more interesting when you consider this. Mark's gospel was written in Rome to Romans. You know, listen to this longer quotation uh, from Dr. Jim Boyce. Simon was a Jew, that Simon of Cyrene, was a Jew who, like all Jews, would have hated the Romans to be pressed into service by a Roman soldier and be forced to carry the cross of a condemned man must have been a hateful, bitter experience for him. But something must have happened to Simon on that day. After the Passover, he would have returned home to Cyrene and would have told his family about Jesus. They may have become Christians through his testimony. So, Understand, you have Simon of Cyrene, father of Alexander and Rufus, who is drafted to carry the cross of Calvary, and you know he's from Cyrene in Jerusalem for the Passover. He returns home, tells his family everything that had happened on that day, and. and Simon came to faith in Christ, and, and as a father, he shared that with these two sons, and Alexander and Rufus came to faith in Christ. 
You know, Rufus, chosen in the Lord. We could regard this as a a reformed passage. The, The word there for chosen is the word from which we get elect or election. And you could ask, well, aren't all believers chosen, graciously chosen by Christ, called to saving faith? Yes, they are. But here the Apostle Paul reminds Rufus. You know, Rufus, if you ever doubt it, lest you ever forget it, you know, the Lord chose you. Remember how you came to saving faith. Your your father was there in Jerusalem. He carried the the cross for Christ. He returned home. You heard the gospel. You came to faith in Christ. You know, Rufus, you're chosen into the Lord. And lest we think, well, that's just a, a Pauline doctrine, uh, Jesus uses that word. Mark thirteen twenty seven. Mark thirteen twenty seven. just one example. Oops, I'm getting ahead of myself. Mark 13, 27, speaking of the coming of the Son of Man, and these are Jesus' own words. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. Christ himself says that the chosen will be be called, will, will be brought home to glory. You know, Rufus is chosen in the Lord. The Lord graciously chose him. The Lord graciously saved him. And and note again, going back to Romans 16, verse 13, Rufus, who is chosen in the Lord, he, he is chosen in Christ. Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of sinners. But here again, we see the family relationship. You know, greet Rufus chosen in the Lord, also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. So Rufus's mother presumably was the wife of Simon of Cyrene. Seems that Simon of Cyrene passed away and Rufus was caring for his mother, as was common in those days. But... Rufus's mother was a mother to Paul as well. Imagine that, being the mother to the Apostle Paul, treating him like her own son. You know, what would that have looked like? A home-cooked meal. You know, Paul, you've been on the road. You know, come on in. We've got a, a, a nice hot meal on the table. A soft bed, you know, Paul, we've saved a bed for you. You don't have to sleep on the ground in a stable out in the desert. Maybe loving prayers of faith. Rufus's mother told the Apostle Paul, I've been praying for you, Paul. Not, not for your salvation, but praying for your fruitfulness, faithfulness in the gospel ministry. You know, even with five children, you know, my mother uh, showed the love of Christ to many. She was the one who who taught all of us when there was a visiting missionary at church, you you made sure you invited them to Sunday dinner. 
There, there was a visitor or a visitor's family at church. You know, my mother would say, you know, come to our house and there will be plenty of food. Uh, she took in our friends. You know, their families moved away. We lived in a community where a lot of businessmen and they kept being shifted around. And so we had friends and she would say, well, come live with us till the end of the school year. Uh, She modeled the love of Christ to her children and her grandchildren. You know, as Christians, it's comforting for us to know we are God's chosen children, chosen in Christ, love with the love of Christ. You know, we are sinners saved by grace through faith in Christ. Romans 6.23 puts it this way, Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So here Rufus, and I believe his mother, are are chosen laborers in the Lord. One son and one mother, and yet making a gospel impact. You know, third, there in Romans 16, 14, now we see brotherly labors for the Lord. You know, five men listed here, and their brothers in Christ greet, again, that command, greet, a syncretist, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermes, and the brothers who are with them. You know, Romans sixteen fourteen gives us a list of five Christian men and the brothers who are with them. You know, these names are only mentioned here in all of Scripture. You know, they could be a house church, you know, of five single believers, especially if you wanted to include the brothers with them. You know, they, they could have been young single men, you know, living together by necessity, pooling their resources. You know, but, but they're all Christians. They're, they're brothers in the Lord. That expression, brothers, is, is, the only time it is used in Romans is here. You know, you're brothers and sisters in Christ by your shared faith in Christ. You know, that's what unites you. Lenski helps us to understand their scriptural significance, why the listing of the names, just to name them, is to honor them. You know, at graduation, you've been there. Maybe Carl and Rebecca will be through there. You get the graduation program, and and what's the first thing you do? Oh, is my child's name in there? Did they spell it correctly? Especially if you have a last name like Ridbeck. And, and, you know, your focus is is stuck there. You know, so, so these five followers of Christ and the brothers with them are, are highlighted here in Scripture. But, but in a way, they're, they're anonymous. We don't know anything else about them. You know, the brothers with them, the brothers bound together by the redeeming love of Christ, brothers who lovingly labored together for the Lord. Forget what year it was, Lynn will remind me, but we went on a trip to Israel uh, with a, a group from the PCA, Presbyterian Church in America. They no longer do these trips, but our lecturer on this trip was a, a man by the name of Dr. George Grant. Some of you might have 
heard of him. I mean, he, he's a man who knows everything about everything. You know, he, he knew history of Israel. He knew the, the government, the politics, current politics of Israel. And he, he most certainly knew scripture, knew it very well. And in one of his daily lectures, or I can't remember whether it was a devotional, he, he said these words they, that still stick in my mind and guide me when I'm leading a Bible study, preparing a sermon. And the words are these, every word in the Bible is there for a reason. Every word in the Bible is there for a reason. You know, so when you're going through that list of names, genealogies of Christ, when you're going through First and Second Chronicles, and you're thinking, will this list never end? I can't pronounce these names. You know, every, every word in the Bible is there for a reason. You know, and these names are in the Bible for, for a reason. We may not know the reason until we get to glory. You know, but, but these men, because of their gospel labors along with their brothers, are, are included in God's holy word. No need to memorize these names. You know, but they're models of brotherly love and labors for the Lord Jesus Christ. So lady laborers, chosen laborers for the Lord. Third, brotherly laborers for the Lord. Fourth, verse 15, family laborers for the Lord. You know, there's one family of faith here. And, uh, you know, bear with me on this one. You know, here, here's where it is helpful at, at times to know a little bit of the original. The first name, Philologus, is a man's name or, a, or a, a masculine name. Julia is a female name. Nereus is a, is a male name. Sister, um, obviously female. Olympus is a male name and all the saints who are with them. And, and so when you begin to connect the scriptural dots here, You know, the best way of understanding Romans 16, verse 15, is to say this is a family of faith. Philologus and his wife, Julia. Nereus, their their son, and his unnamed sister, for whatever reason. Olympus could have been a family relative, maybe another son, but, you know, all indications point to the truth that this is a family of faith. They are family laborers for the Lord. You know, and if we include that, that phrase and all the saints who are with them, this could have not only been a family, but it could have been a house church. As we have seen earlier in Romans 16, verse 5, greet also the church in their house. Remember in those days, they didn't have large church buildings, sanctuaries, fellowship halls. They they couldn't afford them. The church still was small and growing. And so quite often, if you had a larger home, you know, the your neighborhood would meet in that church. You know, for, for a time. You know, these are saints who are meeting with them. What's a saint? You know, the church doesn't pronounce anyone a saint. You know, it's here in Scripture. A saint is a sinner saved by grace. 
You know, God sets them apart as his laborers. You know, one who Christ has set apart for holy living and for gospel labors. That's the note that started Romans. Here again, Romans chapter 1, verse 7. It's been a few years, literally, but Romans 1, verse 7. Uh, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. And I believe every believer there was called to be a saint. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In Scripture, you know, we see families of faith who lovingly serve Christ together. Uh, We've seen one already in Romans 16, Prisca and Aquila. Husband and wife, or wife and husband. Uh, The household of Lydia. When you go to Acts 16, the household of the Philippian jailer, you go back to the Old Testament. Abraham and Sarah and Isaac, uh, you know, a family of faith laboring together for the Lord. Or or you go to the book of Ruth. Ruth married Boaz, a, a family of faith, and you... You look at the end of Ruth, you you would note that Ruth and Boaz had a son, Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse, and who was the son of Jesse? David, who was descended from David, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, the one who was truly human and truly divine. You know, this, this is the fruit of family laborers for the Lord. You know, Christian husbands and wives, along with their Christian children, can and should be laboring for the Lord. Been thinking about family. Um, it would have been my mom's sister, oldest sister, Aunt Midge. Uh, she would have turned 100 years old yesterday. Only lived to 99, I say only. But uh, childhood story. My father, out of loving care for his wife or mother, posted what he called a yow sheet at our family camp on a lake in the Adirondack Mountains in upstate New York. And you may ask, what does yow stand for? My dad loved acronyms. Imagine that. And uh, his um, his... The acronym means this, you know, it's Y period, E period, O O period, W period, and it meant Youth Employment Opportunities for Work. And so every week my dad would make out his Yao sheet, and his joke was when you saw the list you would go, Yao, do I have to do that work this week? But uh, you know, it was at our at our at our summer camp, and um, so every day, you know, each of the five children, and he would rotate it around. You had work to do, not optional. Um, and we worked hard in the morning. We did our chores in the morning. Didn't have chickens and cows there, Archie. Uh, but we had work to do, and uh, the the pattern we followed. We worked all morning. Um, we had lunch down by the, the water, and then we had the afternoons off. You know, we'd go fishing, swimming, water skiing, 
Um, good deal when I look back on it now. It's good for families to work, uh, to worship, and to play together. You know, but to add to that, it's good for families to carry on the Lord's work together. You know, would encourage you, as especially parents, grandparents, you know, have a shared ministry as a family. You know, I got the pattern from the, the pastor I work with when I visited the nursing homes. I, I would often take the children with me. And uh, they would go gladly because when we were done, we would stop somewhere, get a snack. Yes, drink a Coke. And, um, you know, it was family ministry together. One time in church, we even sang together. It was a one and done. Don't wait, don't hold your breath waiting for that one. Lynn's already informed me. Um, You know, but, but God has given you as parents... And given us the duty as a church to, to teach the children, you know, the, the joys, the pleasures, the delights, and, and dare I say it, the duty, you know, to carry on God's kingdom work. You know, why do we do it? You know, because we love Jesus, and Jesus loves us. You know, and, and do it in your homes as well. May your children see you reading the Bible, singing the hymns of praise, you know, carrying on the Lord's kingdom work. You know, I believe it starts with godly husbands and fathers. Finally, Romans 16, uh, there are loving laborers for the Lord. Again, the Apostle Paul, one more time, six times, says, greet one another with a holy kiss. You know, I wanted to say, well, there it is, I've read it, received the benediction. Um, Wow, you know, what does this mean? You know, why don't we practice it today? Let's look first at a few biblical references. I'll just mention them, you can jot them down. Uh, Genesis 26, 26 and 27, Isaac kissed his son Jacob. Ruth chapter 1, verse 9 and 14, Naomi kissed both of her daughter-in-laws. You see it in Song of Solomon 8, 1, and then again, 1 Corinthians 16, 20, and 2 Corinthians 13, 12, greet one another with a holy kiss. So it's not an isolated instance here in Romans. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 14 has a similar expression, greet one another with a kiss of love. And again, lest we think, well, that's just uh, Pauline. Only the Apostle Paul wrote this here, Luke chapter 7, verse 45. Luke 7, verse 45, the account of the sinful woman. Jesus is in a Pharisee's house. I'll just read one verse. Luke 7, verse 45, Jesus says this to the Pharisee about this uh, woman who has anointed his feet. He says, you gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. That that was the customary greeting in in Jesus' day. Now, greet one another with a holy kiss, but but take a close look there at Romans 16, verse 16. You know, it says, a holy kiss. A holy kiss. 
a degree of solemnity is the way one commentator put it. Even John Calvin said this about a holy kiss, and I quote, it became a custom among the ancients for Christians to kiss one another before partaking of the supper, that's the Lord's Supper, to testify by that sign their friendship. You know, a holy kiss shows that Christians and Christ's church is living together in a holy harmony. You know, there, there is a gospel reconciliation. We're not bitter towards one another. We don't hold grudges towards one another. That's some of the implication there when it says a holy kiss. Don't just go through the motions of showing love. You know, it's holy because you are a new creation, a holy child of God. You know, so now there's a hard question for us as a family of faith at Hope Presbyterian Church. Should we still practice this biblical teaching today? Or how can we practice this? You know, it's there in scripture. Is it an outdated biblical custom? You know, some paraphrases, and yes, they're paraphrases, put it this way. In the message, holy embraces all around. Or J.B. Phillips put it this way, give one another a hearty handshake all around. You know, two scriptural truths for us today. You know, as we seek to apply this as as God's loving laborers, laboring together for the Lord. The first truth is this. You know, it it is heartfelt. It it is not an empty gesture. You know, that we do it because our, our heart is full of love for the Lord and love for one another in Christ. And even to add to that, there, there ought to be a, a love for the lost, that, that they would come to faith in Christ, be worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ with us. But secondly, it, it is a holy expression of Christian love. You know, it's not an unholy hug. You know, there, there is nothing sexual or romantic involved in that holy kiss. R.C. Sproul put it, helps us in his Roman commentaries. And he put it this way, quote, We do not know when or why that custom passed out of practice in the church, but it must be considered as a custom, not a principle. You know, we, we are still to greet one another with, with holy love, heartfelt love, love for one another and love for Christ. And he closes, Romans 16, 16, all the churches, plural. You know, it's not just one church, all the churches of Christ greet you. You know, there, there is a holy harmony that, that holy love of Christ, not only in this church at Rome, but all churches um, who name and claim that they indeed are sinners saved by grace through faith and faith in Christ, the crucified Christ, the risen Lord, the one who is returning again. You know, you know as we look at 
not only verses 12 through 16, but verses 1 through 16 here, we, we behold a, a beautiful biblical painting of a loving church as it lovingly labors for the Lord. They're, they're united in Christ, head of the church. They're, they're connected to Christ, but they're connected in love one for another, and they show the fruit of their faith in their gospel labors, partnering together in gospel ministry, pulling together by God's grace for the glory of God and for the spread of the gospel. You know, it may it be our purpose and our prayer here at Hope Presbyterian Church to know the love of Christ and to lovingly labor together in the gospel. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, um, forgive us when we as a church butt heads, Lord, disagree over incidental matters, Lord. Forgive us for our independence, Lord, when we think we can do it alone. Even though we're connected to a church, connected to Christ, Lord, Lord, forgive us for our our gospel complacency, even our laziness, Lord, just waiting for Christ to come again waiting to be called home for the glory. Lord, may we be your, your faithful gospel laborers till we take our last breath or you come again in all your glory and splendor. May we be about our Father's business, Lord. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.